Hello and welcome to the Feed Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Feed Strategy Senior Reporter Ann Roos. Scott D. is Director of Research for Pipestone Applied Research, where he conducts research in the areas of viral transport and transmission in feed, feed biosecurity, and antimicrobial resistance on swine farms. Along with two colleagues, he recently published research news in the journal Transboundary and Emerging Diseases on a real-life scenario where a virus was introduced to a pig herd via feed ingredients imported from a country known to be positive for this virus. D calls this a wake-up call for the United States, which is negative for viruses such as foot and mouth disease and African swine fever, which have trade implications and high pig mortality rates. He says this situation is proof that viruses can move from place to place and feed, something researchers have previously predicted and that importers of feed ingredients should be cautious about the origins of their imports. I recently spoke to Dr. D about this paper and its implications. Hi, Dr. D. Thanks for being here. Hi, Anne. Thanks for the time. You have a new paper in the journal Transboundary and Emerging Diseases. Can you tell me about what's in it? Well, yes, I'm very happy to do that. I think it's like the smoking gun of feed risk for virus movement. Uh, we've been talking about that for many years from the laboratory level, but this is actually a real-world case where a new virus entered a nationally naive swine herd. So the swine herd, which I can't disclose where the country is um, because it's part of the deal, but Seneca virus is a virus, and then the the Seneca virus entered this country for the first time. It had never, ever been in the national herd. And the cause of the incursion or the source of the virus was soybean meal that had come from a known positive country. So very interesting case. You've got a a country that's been completely free of this virus, Seneca virus, all of a sudden gets it. And they figured it out that it came from the soybean meal from this country, which everybody knows is positive. So that's kind of the the basis of the case. I wanted to write that case up because it basically validated our all our laboratory work that feed could move viruses from place to place. Okay, and we'll talk about that case in more detail later. But first, can you talk about Seneca virus A and what our listeners should know about it? Yeah, Seneca virus A is a virus that's in the United States. It's in many countries. It has no trade implications at all, no human health implications. It only infects pigs, but an interesting thing about it is it's related to foot and mouth disease virus. It's almost like a brother to foot and mouth disease virus. It's the same virus classification, same size and shape, and produces the same clinical signs that that is uh, vesicles or vesicular lesions on the on the nose and on the mouth and on the feet of pigs. So it looks just like foot and mouth, but it's not foot and mouth. So you touched on it, but can you explain a little more why this research news is important? Well, this is the first case that we've ever been able to show under like a natural real world setting where a virus, in this case Seneca virus, entered a naive country. So the, all the pigs in the country had never seen this virus. They'd never had vesicular lesions in their national swine herd. And it appears to have come in through a soybean meal import from a country that's known to be positive to Seneca and has actually documented the presence of Seneca virus in their commercial feed system. 
So it's like the, you know, we, we set this up in the laboratory and try to reproduce these types of events by putting viruses in feed and doing things to the feed and giving it to the pigs and see what happens. This actually happened all on its own. So that's the, that's why it's so important. It's proof that viruses can move from place to place in feed. Well, let's go into some more detail about that situation, this case from July uh, that you outlined in the paper. What happened in this instance? Yeah, so the country that I that has had the Seneca incursion is a very modern, highly productive, sophisticated pork producing company. However, they made the mistake of introducing or importing feed ingredients from another country, and uh, this this country did not have the level of health that the initial country did. So it it had Seneca virus, and so they actually imported feed from this second country, and it, and it looks like they brought the virus in. When you sent me this new paper, you said it doesn't involve African swine fever, but it certainly could have. What did you mean by that? And what implications could this information have on the ability to prevent the spread of ASF? Well, that's the fortunate thing about this situation was this was not ASF. This was not foot and mouth disease virus. This was Seneca virus. Seneca virus has no trade implications. It's very, very minimal of a problem. It's, it's The problem's almost basically cleaned up. But if it had been one of those other diseases, you know, it would be a very different story. Obviously, trade would stop. There'd be a lot of mortality in the national herd. It'd be a real disaster. So that's like, it's like a wake-up call that we as the United States have to be aware that this can happen, that we could possibly get ASF. We could possibly get foot and mouth through the importation of feed ingredients, particularly soy-based products, from countries of high risk. And this is exactly what previous research has warned about, right? It's exactly. You know, we, we've been doing this for eight years now, myself, many other scientists around the U.S. We've reproduced this in the lab many times with many different viruses. And this happened exactly the same way as we had predicted it would based on the laboratory data. So it was, it was to, to me, it was very fulfilling because it actually showed that everything we've predicted can indeed be true and it validates all the work. The good news is the country's getting over this problem. It's not going to bother it long-term. So pretty interesting, I think, from several points of view. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the methodology that your team went through to identify the source of the virus and how it spread? Well, I, the one thing, yeah, it's an, this is an interesting story because I'm really a journalist in this case. The, the the swine production system in the country that I can't obviously disclose, they did all the work. So the veterinarians in the company that got infected with Seneca, they did all the work. And they did the investigation looking for where the Seneca virus may have entered the production system as well as the country. So they get the credit. I wish I could give them their names on the citation, but I can't do that. They don't want their names on it right now. Uh, but basically they went around um, and took samples of bulk ingredients, fine ingredients from the swine, 
farms. Uh, they took environmental samples from the mills, from the storage areas. They took uh, samples from the poultry enterprise. They took samples from the plant enterprise, part of their large agricultural business. They were looking for any possible way this virus might have entered the country. What was the what was the vehicle, as we say, that could have moved this virus into the country? And really all, the only place they found the Seneca virus was in a big shipment of soybean meal that had come in from this the source country, the one that we knew was positive. That's where they found it. And they actually found it in fairly strong quantities in this big bulk import of soy. Um, they did find a little bit of it on the outside of a tote bag, but the it was just a very small amount of the virus. There was, in contrast, uh, quite a bit of the virus in this big importation of soy. So they, to credit to them, they, they went and collected dust, they collected grain probe samples, they looked everywhere they could, tested by PCR, and basically just found it in, in one place. And that sounds really similar to the kinds of testing that you and other research teams have been doing in controlled environments to try to replicate. Is that right? Exactly. And, you know, so what was interesting about this, those those samples were positive by PCR. So showing that the Seneca viral RNA or the nucleic acid was present. But when they fed when they fed the soy, they reproduced the disease. That's what's interesting. When they started feeding the soy, they you know mixed it into rations and fed it. That's when they first noticed vesicular lesions on the pigs. So it was almost like a natural feeding bioassay showing that not only was the virus present, but it was alive. Because the pigs who ate the diets that had the soy mixed in together with everything else, those were the pigs that, that showed the lesions. So not only was the virus, the nucleic acid present, it looks like the virus was alive. So in this instance, was there a holding time or a temperature holding that should have been put in place that wasn't, or does that not matter with this virus? It, no, that's a very good question. We've tested this virus uh, quite a bit under different holding times and temperatures, it's very stable. It lives in feed, especially soy, for a very long time. You can inactivate it for at 30 days at 75 degrees Fahrenheit. We know that we've been we've proven that. In this case, that wasn't part of the plan. Uh, the soy came in, it started getting mixed right into the diets and fed to the pigs. So that might be something to consider in the future is putting some of this holding time and temperature work uh, into their biosecurity plan. On that note, what do you think livestock and poultry producers and feed mill employees should take away from this paper? First of all, that the, the risk of feed is real. There is no question it's no longer just a laboratory experiment anymore. It's something that agriculture in general and the feed industry needs to pay attention to. And I'm, I'm very pleased to see that the, the FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine recently published uh, in GFI 245, Guide for Industry 245, talking about risks for animal feed. They've now include, included text that says, or language that says, viruses can be hazards, can be risks. 
previously had been salmonella and toxoplasmosis and molds and mycotoxins and things, but actually now in that language, in that GFI 245, it, it mentions viruses for the first time. So that's a huge outcome. Uh, I think, and I, I applaud the FDA, Center for Veterinary Medicine, for looking at the information and continually updating their, their guidance for industry. I was at the uh, USAHA, United States Animal Health Association, and I presented this case. And there were a lot of people in the audience that had heard, you know, the previous laboratory work. And they were very, very interested. Uh, these are these are federal, state and federal officials. They are extremely interested in the fact we now had a field case, or what's called an epilink, showing a relationship between a real-world occurrence and an outcome. So the importation of feed from a known positive source into a naive national swine herd, the outcome being transmission of the disease. So... It was a good audience to talk uh, talk to about this case, just because of the makeup of the people and uh, and what they do for for their careers. So it, and it went it went over very very well. So I'm I'm happy about that. The paper appears online in Transboundary and Emerging Diseases. A link is available at feedstrategy.com. I want to thank Dr. D for joining me on the podcast, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in.